welcome back to the Freedom Decoded podcast. I'm Carrie Bentley. This is my husband, Demir. We run the Life Hack Method, but this podcast is our chance to let our hair down and give you a peek behind the curtain at what we're thinking about and what we're um, marinating on here behind the scenes what of is the Life the, Hack Method. What does a freedom lifestyle even look like? And today we have a sort of interesting topic, which is our flaws, yeah. both as people and as a company, and why they don't matter. Yeah, you know, when we first started this company, I remember telling you uh, this thing. I remember saying, like, I love Tony Robbins. I love Tim Ferriss. I love these speakers and thinkers in the personal development space. But what I would love the most is to see them having a really bad Monday. Because I'm not as interested in what the shiny side of the apple looks like. I think where things get really practical is when people are really flawed human beings and what are the tools that they use to continue forward and live the life that they need to live in spite of being flawed human beings. Yeah. And I think there's this tendency in personal development, I felt it myself, to polish up the shiny side of the apple and only show the shiny part of the apple. Totally. I mean, I feel it constantly because you look at those people like Tim Ferriss and you think, well, in order to be that successful, he must have figured out a way to become perfect. Well, I, I, ha I feel compelled to come to Tim's defense. Since I said that like almost over 10 years ago, he actually had this entire series where he talked about his own mental health journey and, and talked about flaws in his relationship. So even since then, I got to give Tim credit. He's come out and really showed the rotten part of the apple, which I think are some of his most powerful sessions. The ones where he talks about- The fear casting was one of them for me. Yeah, he even talked about um, a relationship that didn't work and new things that he's been instituting in his new relationship to make it work. I think in a weird way, that's become almost the most powerful part of our brand. And, and not to pat myself on the back or flex, but I think the feedback that means the most to me is when clients come and say, yeah, seeing that you can do everything that you and Carrie have done in spite of the fact that you're such a flawed human being has <laughs> actually given me a lot of hope. That's, and that's exactly what I want to be communicating because sometimes I feel like we do get clients or even team members who come onto our team and they're they're somehow thinking that like behind the scenes like everything is perfect yeah and i'm like why would you think that like our whole brand is about communicating how to become productive it does not mean that we are always productive for example yeah flaw I mean, number one we are not always productive let's start, let's start there what a great place to start number one we are not always productive i mean the first thing I need to say about myself, and I'll let you speak for yourself, I am a deeply lazy person. I mean, if you get to know me, you will know the extent at which I am a contradiction. I, on one hand, I've got a big vision for life. I wanna live big. I wanna do great stuff. On the, on the other hand, I am deeply, profoundly lazy and feel that I could probably just live on a beach and do nothing for the rest of my days. And I have to live with that contradiction. I mean, honestly, sometimes trying to get you to do stuff is like pulling teeth. Yes. Be and like even following like your own productivity method, I'm like, why is this not more easy for Demir? Yeah. But absolutely. it's sometimes like it's not, you know, your memory can really be not the best. Well, let's, that's a different flaw. Let's, you're, you're going too fast, Carrie. We're getting, when we start talking about my flaws, they all sort of mix together. So no, I, I mean, but absolutely. I mean, uh, let's just talk about how hard it is to get me to do something when I don't want to do it. It's super hard. Yeah, super hard. And also why it actually doesn't matter because again, it's, it's, I kind of have to respect you sometimes because, um, by then sort of like purposefully not doing things that other people ask you to do, most of the time, somebody else just does them for you. And so I kind of have to respect that where I'm like, how does he get 
everybody to be doing all his work for him. It's <laughs> it's like kind of like makes me annoyed, but then I'm like, ah, I should probably actually be learning from this. And I think that the, the balance here that's interesting is to understand that, A, on one side, I am not unrepentantly pr proud of how lazy I can be sometimes, right? And by the way, I'm also bipolar and sometimes I work on something too much and you're like, Demir, you're only supposed to spend an hour on that, but you spent five hours on that, right? So unfortunately I go both directions, but what's interesting is I am neither proud of it, nor do I feel that I need to banish it forever and fix it. I found right. a way to mediate it, yeah. right? And so I found a way to look at it and say, hey, the lazy part of me isn't this bad part. I don't judge it. Actually, the lazy part of me has its own really valid argument. And the argument is life is meant to be lived. Mm -hmm. I'm not here to stress out all the time. I'm not here to like be my job or identify with my job. Sometimes I just want to sit on the couch and chill and listen to an album. So there's a there's a valid argument behind that. And I've learned to come to respect that. And so, you know, not to get too much into our methodology, but one of the things that we really focus on in the life hack method is hey, if you're not committed to working 80 hours a week in the hustle culture and the grind, and you do want to have moments of relaxation and dare I even say it, laziness in your life, <laughs> you know, then how do you have to operate to still be successful? Mm -hmm. And the answer is you have to operate with the right system, tools, and technologies. You have to operate with leverage. And so in a weird way, and I, I say this with a lot of humility and a lot of sense of my own flaws, some of the best parts of the life hack method came from my struggle with my own sort of advanced laziness and yeah. trying to figure out, hey, how can I still, in the hours that I am willing to be productive, you know, get some big things done? Yeah, and I think my flaw is like literally the exact opposite of yours, which is like I try to do way too much. Yeah. And I'm constantly expecting myself to do all these different things as if that's going to, by accomplishing all of them, I'll finally have like achieved the end goal somehow. Um, but And I just had a week like this where everything felt like sort of overwhelming and I was putting too much on my plate um, and you were really helpful in helping me reprioritize everything. But what's interesting too is you were remarking to me, you were like, yeah, but what's funny is like I am perceiving you as being, having been already this in Q1 massively productive. I'm, I see you cranking out tons of incredibly leveraged work for the business. And I was like, oh, yeah, like I have been like crushing my champagne moments every week. And just because I can't do all this small ball stuff as well, I'm getting down on myself. Yeah. And it's just like what you were saying. It's like that focus on the leverage is really all that you need. There's always going to be those small ball tasks. So and that's why, heck, I'm just so glad I focus on the leverage ones instead of the small ball ones yeah. first. Otherwise, you wouldn't have that impression that I've been producing. Absolutely. Let's talk about a flaw of our business. Now, one of the things people know about us is SOPs. We're all about those SOPs. Let's create systems. Let's do it once, do it right. Don't ever have to do it again. Um, but what's funny is we've created, I think sometimes even the wrong impression of people who know us publicly and then come work for us because actually there's big parts of our business that aren't SOP'd out yeah. and that we're what I call discovering. Mm -hmm. And those can be very muddy and ugly and messy, messy just like yeah. any other business. Totally. Yeah. Because of course you, you can't create an SOP for a process until you know how you want that process to be run. And so because we are a coaching company, there's a lot of times where we don't actually know how we're still experimenting with how to get the best result for our end client. And so we're not going to create SOPs and standard operating procedures for, say, for example, a coach who's in charge of a new process because we don't know what that process is yet. 
So um, sometimes we, and we enjoy, personally, you and me, getting in the mud and like splashing around a little bit. Let's figure this thing out. Sometimes it's like a massive fail and we're like, well, never going to do that again. And let's do something different instead. Um, but we really enjoy that process. And so sometimes people come onto our team and they're like, well, where's the SOP? And I'm like, you're going to have to just figure it out. Yeah, um, we're going to have to discover this. And we're gonna have to block it out as we're doing it. And we might even have to take two steps back in order to take three steps forward. Yep, and that definitely requires that kind of person who enjoys that. Because there's some people that don't, right? Yeah. Um, and I certainly, um, I mean, I it, I can inhabit both mental spaces. It can be enjoyable to follow instructions, but it can also be enjoyable to create something brand new and discover that. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like one of those flaws that doesn't actually matter because if it's going to, in the end, create better results for our clients, that's how I want to do it. You know, another thing that I think people would be surprised at is daily and weekly disciplines. I can certainly speak for myself that, you know, checking Asana every single day, and I have a time and a place where I'm supposed to check my Asana so that my whole team can stay up on things. And I'm not great with it. Some weeks I'm on it and I'm on fire. Some weeks I'm not. It's just one of those hit and miss things. So then the question is like, okay, does it still work if you're hit and miss? And the answer is, 100 percent yes yeah. in fact i would say despite the fact that in the massive action triangle you know for those people who know that's the triangle that exists between your life map your calendar and your to-do list the to-do list is the hardest part i love my life map i love my calendar i could just like be in my calendar my life map 24 7. love 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 but there's something about a to-do list that I just have like a lot of resistance to. Worked on it, worked on it, gotten a little bit better, but it's still not perfect. But ironically, I've come to see that as actually the little bit of progress I've made on that has actually been some of the most important progress mm -hmm. that I've made in my productivity. Because even though it doesn't come naturally for me, it does balance me in such an important way. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think it's important too that because you love your schedule and you do spend so much of your deep work actually doing live coaching, then it actually doesn't really matter that much that you're not as on top of your Thank you for list. letting me off the hook there, Carrie. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, I'm feeling generous at the moment. So <laughs> let's go there. Let me just be clear. There have been other times where Carrie has not felt this generous about the same topic. This is true. This is true. But I am very glad that you spend you know, your best energy on the live coaching, right? Because that is what drives our business and creates results for our clients. So when you think of it like that, it's like you're absolutely still doing your deep work, getting those deep work hours in every week. Um, yeah, I would say for, for me on the daily and weekly disciplines, I feel the same. I, I never have this, I've never had this passion for like habits like other mm, people do. Yeah. And I feel kind of bad for that sometimes because everyone's so passionate about building habits. And I'm sort of like, I don't know, I'm not that into habits because every day can be so different and I might mm. feel so differently each day. I'm so much more passionate about creating accountability and like like purposefully jamming those habits into my schedule that I really want to make stick. So like exercise, you know, I just had a baby. I do not feel after waking up a bunch of times every night, like going to the gym and working out. Yeah. And so by hiring a personal trainer to coach me online, it's like, all right, well, I'm going to show up. Yeah. He's online. He's waiting. I'm paying for it. So I'm going to be there. And it has happened every single week, three times a week since I gave birth. And it's like, <laughs> would that have happened without him? No. Yeah. Abs I might have gotten to the gym like twice, maybe. Um, and that still would have been okay. But it's like, I love that idea of just building the accountability in for stuff that I really want to make happen. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'd say a big thing that I noticed happened is 
you know, if somebody wasn't following our story, they might see the morning and evening routines course that we created and then see how we are now and say, oh, there's a, there's a variance there. It doesn't look like you're doing exactly what you're doing in that course. And the answer is we're not yeah. because we've just had two kids. And the difference between what we did in the morning and evening routines course and what we're doing now is that we're still in the process of adapting to like what what is our schedule and what can we do? And the problem with kids is that they keep changing. This yeah, is the and we have young problem. kids too, which yeah. is apparently the most difficult time. Hopefully it gets easier is all I can say. Yeah, I mean, the thing about a young child that's so interesting is, you know, between one month and three months, so much can change, so much in the schedule. So we're still in this place where we're intentionally giving ourselves a lot of ability to say, actually, instead of building a whole evening and morning routine and trying to ossify your schedule only to see it like smashed and demolished by a child having a sleep regression or a child waking up early, we're in a place now where we're really exploring a lot more flexibility. And you know what? Like, I'm there. I'm and, there for And that's it. why I think it's not actually a problem because it's like we're still using the foundations of yeah. our method, which is like this idea of like approaching your schedule and testing and seeing what works for you now yep. and being totally okay with changing it if it's not working. Yeah. I mean, I would say what's funny is um, we're not doing what we did before in terms of our mornings, but we are way more aggro about our evenings yeah. and getting like, like getting everybody down, getting ourselves down at a certain time. Sleep. That has become so crucial getting and those good sleep hours the the system that we've improvised for being able to tag team in the middle of the night with the yeah. kids that has been like yeah epic. so demir and i switch off with the newborn for example um he takes the first wake up um so that i can sleep through it and then i take the second one where i need to pump anyway so it works really well for me so i get a nice long um nighttime stretch and demir gets a nice long nighttime stretch um and then he wakes up with them in the morning too so I can get like an even extra like 30 minutes so that I can sleep during that time so it's really been working out well I mean we have a three-month-old and we are both feeling pretty well yeah, rested to be honest yeah yeah I mean so high conclude sort of mini conclusion just on that point like one of the things I'm proud of is I feel like in this phase we've explored what it's like to go through a period of rapid change and rapidly iterate through imperfect habits yes. and just, and, yeah. but, but, and say, okay, it's broken. Great. Now let's build something new. Okay. That broke. Now let's build something new. And I've never in my life had a period of r so rapidly creating new habits and new routines and then seeing it break and then just not, not even crying one tear and then like, great, let's go. Right. So pulling back from this conversation, I think the most, the thing that I really want people to leave with, not just in this podcast, but in all of tribe is boy, if I can do it, you can do it. Yeah. And, and I, more than anything, I don't want people looking at me, certainly, as some guru at a mountaintop who's achieved some kind of yoga-like or Yoda-like status, you know, who has like this huge repository of information and, and lives some perfectly flawless life. In fact, I almost want to emphasize the opposite, mm -hmm. right? I still continue to deal with distraction and shiny object syndrome. I'm still very bipolar in my work where there's sometimes I run hot and sometimes that I run cold. I'm still very deeply lazy, right? And yet what's interesting about the methodology is that I've still been able to, together with you, create a seven-figure business that's growing 300%, you know, compound annual growth rate and experiencing a life that nobody else gets to get. And if there's anything I could have somebody take away from it, it's that you don't have to be perfect right. to live the life you really want to live. You have to get a little better. You might have to be more systematic. You might have to use better systems and tools, but you don't have to be perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. 
All right. We're going to leave it there. Thank you so much for logging in and tuning in, and we will see you very soon.